It's the fan pregame. Justin Cuthbert, Eilish, four of our Sportsnet 590, the fans, Sportsnet, and Sportsnet 360 for the next hour. It is Raptors home opener night tonight. We've been waiting a while for this. Even though the Raptors are undefeated in the preseason, you're like, you know, maybe we don't need to play real games. It's time. It is upon us. We've got a great show lined up to get you kicked off for the tip-off. Yeah, it's an exciting night. Anytime it's opening night, it's exciting. This is a different feel, though, right? Because we don't know much about this version of the Raptors that's showing up to kickstart this season. I mean, there are a lot of familiar faces, obviously, but this is being branded as something different, and I guess it's on them to prove that it is, in fact, different. So you aren't buying all the hype. Is there hype? Do you feel hype? I'll tell you what I'm feeling cautious optimism really that's my feeling of the day i woke up this morning with a little buzz a little energy but cautiously because we've done this before we've bought in on a team we've bought in on a narrative against all toronto sports whether it was baseball football hockey soccer basketball we have bought the hype that the narrative was uh, was selling us and i think with the raptors i'm cautiously believing as much as i'm seeing that it's a new team in terms of new faces a new head coach makes a big difference for me Mm -hmm. in terms of who's setting the standard of what it's like to show up to be a Toronto Raptor. There's new energy. There's like a youthful vibe. Maybe it's just Grady Dick and his TikTok bonanza that he has doing all the time, which is bringing energy. But it to me feels like we can be turning the page a little bit on the past. Last year was disappointing. It was at times very frustrating. We struggled to find things about that Raptors team to really sink our teeth into ultimately became kind of hard to cheer for this team. But Time heals all wounds. We're back. We're refreshed. A blank slate, as Taylor Swift would say. Yeah, I'm not going to try and like diagnose why you feel the way you feel, I but just may- told you maybe why. it is last year <laughs> and the difference that. But it's mostly like what we're being told, right? And I think it's as much mm-hmm. how you feel about it as how willing you are to actually buy in to what's being told or what's being offered or what's being advertised by this new era of the Toronto Raptors. I, I think my feeling, and there's like it's not ignorance, but like I'm kind of willingly going into it knowing not as little as possible but just open mm-hmm. open to whatever it is because i'm just not going to buy into what's being said i kind of want to be shown what what exactly exactly is going to be different how this team is going to go from one regime to the next you know if we're looking at like the value that darko might bring over nick or whether they really are going to run a 10-man rotation or is the defense going to be as versatile and potentially dominant as we're being told like yeah, it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to prove it. And I, I think with this Raptors team right now, at least I'm waiting to see what it actually is rather than, you know, just absorbing and being told what it's going to be. So I, I just want to be shown. That's my feeling going into the season that if it's going to be different, well, prove it to us. I will say with returning players or returning energy from last year, I think that there's an opportunity to see some maturity and some growth because last year, as we mentioned, there was some frustration. There was at times where we looked to be panned towards the Raptors bench and it looked like they didn't want to be there. I feel like with the, with the new coach, Darko Ryakovich, with the new faces that are in the room, maybe there is an opportunity to prove that to us in game one. You don't win, this, you don't win the season in game one. You don't win a playoff spot. You don't win the Larry OB, but maybe you win some trust from your fan base and from those that are covering you that the preseason hype that the Raptors were a new, energetic, refreshed fun team could mm-hmm. be real and that starts tonight and it is just one game of many but we'll have it here at sportsnet 590 the fan of course and sportsnet sportsnet one and sportsnet plus you want to watch the game we got it okay so it's at 7 30 against minnesota of course we'll have the rest of our show to tee it all up but i think you can learn a lot from this raptors team in a one game sample size in terms of getting 
some trust that this is not just talk. It is we're mm-hmm. going to walk the walk as well. Well, you mentioned like the new regime and like who's in that circle or what that circle looks like, how many people are going to be in that circle. I think that's really the important thing because as much as it is about, hey, let's do something new and let's build towards the future or let's be this different team or let's just be Darko's team. Mm. Is everyone included in that? And like, of course, you know, most most of the offseason has been talking about you know, the departure in Fred Van Fleet and then Pascal Siakam, whether he's in trade talks, out of trade talks, back in trade talks, talking about maybe an extension, but then saying, hey, we're going to wait to do this. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know if he's in the circle, out of the circle, one foot in the circle, one foot out. I'm just not sure where Pascal Siakam stands. And I don't know if we're going to figure that all out today, but like gearing up for the season, looking at what everyone's reading and saying about the league, Pascal Siakam is at the forefront of everyone's mind when thinking about who can move and who might be available during the season to change the NBA landscape. So I think that's a big thing is Pascal Siakam. Is he in the circle? Is he in Darko's plans? Is he in the Raptors plans? And what does that all mean for the actual success on the court for this Raptors team that, you know, it it might not be a masterpiece every night and it might not be an improvement on last season, but at least you want to see some steps towards that direction but if the key player, the guy that's front and center for this team is not really a part of this team in some ways, like how does that seems like it's backwards to me and it might not work the way we think it's going to work where it's fresh slate and everyone's on the same page. Yeah, that's my top storyline going into it. We're going to reveal some of ours throughout the next 90 minutes. Uh, but Pascal Siakam is the controller of where this team goes on and off the court, I think. And it really starts with him. It starts with where this team sees him fitting, where he sees himself fitting, both in terms of their structure on the court, but also in their contract plans. Like, you this is you don't have a lot of money to go around. There's a guy with a big payday waiting. You need to be really sure that that's the direction you want to go and also not have what happened to Fred Van Vliet happen to you, right? You're in this really important... This is an important year for the Raptors for a multitude of reasons. Obviously, figuring out the direction that Scotty Barnes is going to go, the direction that Pascal Siakam is going to go, are they intertwined, or are those two different directions? Because if that's the case, we'd be looking at a pretty different roster if you can't seem to to find a way for Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam to work together. And that's okay. That could be what the learning lesson is this year, but there needs to be a definitive decision made between those two players. Yeah, I think that's my biggest fear, right? Because as we learned this offseason, and I guess as Fred walked and we talk more and more about it, is that he was kind of operating in a silo. He was just doing his Mm -hmm. own thing. And I don't know if it was because, hey, I got to put myself in the best light or he was being uh, somewhat rebellious within the organization. I'm not really sure. But I think Fred wanted to make sure last season, at least for Fred, in a season where you're not going to have team success, and you can lean on that when you're trying to negotiate a contract elsewhere, is that Fred just wanted to have the best numbers he possibly could so he can get the bag that he got from the Houston Rockets. And if the same thing is happening with the Raptors this year, where Pascal Siakam has to think about, okay, I got to get the money from somewhere. I got to earn my contract and I got to put forth the best possible portfolio in order to do that. Well, how do I go about doing that? And does that coexist with what the rest of the team is trying to accomplish? And that does seem a little bit backwards because... Yeah, if your superstar player is playing at a high level, it should elevate everyone and actually lead to what you want, which is a winning basketball team. But we just saw it last year where Fred thinking about Fred first was not something that worked well for the actual basketball team. So if this situation plays out again, it's a massive issue for this team. And I don't know how much they're going to be able to actually change the culture 
and deliver on everything they've been harping on. Maybe Pascal can channel the William Nylander contract year vibes early on because that's been paying off really well for Mm -hmm. William Nylander and the Maple Leafs if Pascal Siakam just thinks, you know what, I'm just going to go out there and ball every night. I'm not going to care too much about the payday waiting because it's going to come and I'm going to do my best to be the best player on the court. I feel like we could be okay with that for a little bit. Could we not? We would be okay. Then but, we'll talk about dollars and cents later. But it does, like, <laughs> it, it is more, it is less like, hey, William Nealander scores goals, it helps everyone. And they with look Pascal pretty. Siakam taking more shots than he should be, well, maybe that doesn't help everybody. Okay, to get more of a national perspective on this, and of course the rest of the NBA, which tipped off last night, Ramona Shelburne is joining us now, NBA senior writer and insider for ESPN. Ramona, thanks so much for coming on our show. Yeah, how's it going? It's great. We are so excited here in Toronto, of course, because our season really begins tonight. I know last night was the official one. Uh, We're talking about biggest storylines coming into tonight, Raptors and the Timberwolves. For you, when you're looking at this Raptors team, what's the biggest storyline as it pertains to what's going to happen for them at this upcoming campaign? You know, they seem like a team that, that, you know, could go one way or the other, right? So you have two, two players that have a lot of value around the league that have seen their names mentioned in trade talks, but and Siakam and OG, right? And if they win, I, I think everything you've seen from the Raptors continues to be they can they give their team a chance to play. Like, they don't tank. They don't just trade guys just to acquire draft assets. And I think, you know, I want to see Scotty Barnes. I want to see him take a step forward and sort of regain that form and that footing. I heard he's had a great camp. He's put on 10 pounds of muscle, and he's, you know, he's gonna he's ready to go for this year. And so I, I want to see what this team falls um, in the first month or two of the season, because I think it sets the tone for how they approach it. I mean, you, you know, they went and hired Darko and who, you know, you could see him as a coach who grooms a young team and they have a long, a long track, you know, a long timeline, but I don't, I don't see Toronto doing the Orlando Oklahoma city style rebuild. I just don't see it, even though they lost Red Van Vliet and they, you know, they, they could have that excuse to do that if they want. It doesn't seem like that's the path they're on. No, and, and I think the beauty of having Scotty Barnes uh, with this team and trying to bridge mm-hmm. timelines, like even if it doesn't work bridging those timelines, and maybe Fred already lit fire to that idea by leaving uh, in, yeah. in the offseason, is that you still have that player that you can build around in Scotty Barnes. So when you look at Scotty Barnes, yeah. and again, this is projections. This is, I guess, looking at you know his rookie year rather than his sophomore year, or at least leaning towards that in terms of where you think it's going to go. But in terms of a guy to build a team around and avoiding having to go scorched earth, do you see Scotty as that guy who's going to grow into that role and be a team that, or be the player that prevents the Raptors from having to go full rebuild? I mean, I, I think he certainly can be. Um, if you, you know, after his rookie year, all of us, I mean, I voted for him for rookie of the year. I thought he had, he had, he's exactly the kind of guy that you want in that, in that spot and in that role. And then obviously last year was a bit of a re- regression for him. Um, how much of that is the league adjusting to him how much of that is just, you know, injuries and other things that were going on in Toronto or other things that were going on around the league. Um, this is really the year where you start to answer some of that. The third year tends to be, especially for, especially for guys coming into the league at his age, you know, he's, you know, he didn't, he obviously only had just a little bit of college there. Um, it's uh, the third year is a really important year because that's when you kind of see if they make that jump. I mean, I, Last night I was watching the Warriors game and, you know, we were all so high on Jonathan Kaminga in the preseason. He led the league in scoring in the preseason. They're really high on him. They left him in there at the end of the game. And that was, that was telling to me that they left him at the end of the game. He gets the offensive rebound, fouled, misses both free throws. I was like, 
okay, <laughs> we're not quite there yet, <laughs> right? Like, like the Phoenix Suns Warriors game, like even was a very productive player. Like when it came down to it, can make a misses both free throws in the clutch. Like, can they keep leaving them in at, at the end of games? Those are the kind of plays you look for with young players in that third year and say, okay, is this going to be, is this going to be the franchise type player? And it doesn't always all have to happen all at once, but you know, I, I've heard good things, you know, like I, they, they're high on him. They, I, I did hear some line about him putting on 10 pounds of muscle or something. <laughs> um, we'll see, you know, let's see what happens when he gets out there. Um, so, Cause he, he, he certainly has a talent. Somebody with like a little bit less of a excuse, I guess, of a three-year sample uh-huh. size would be Pascal Siakam, of course. We've been trying to figure out what his future is with this organization for quite a yeah. while. And are they tied together? Can Pascal and Scotty share this team? Can they one and two this? Can they share the load? Mm-hmm. Or does one have to go for the other to succeed? When you look at Pascal Siakam's fit with this Raptors team, I know, as you said, it could go both ways. When you look at where he could be at the end of the season, do you think Pascal's going to be a Raptor? I think he is. Um, you're not going to get value for him when it's been, I think it's become pretty clear he, you know, can, can be one of the best free agents next year, right? Like, I mean, he's lined up as potentially the most impactful free agent. Um, I don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't put James Harden in that category, right? You know, <laughs> the way that's played out. But, but, but Pascal could be on that level of free agent. And you're just not going to get value for him. So I don't, I don't think it makes sense to trade him. Um, you don't trade a guy like that. Uh, if unless you're getting incredible value and, and your value's limited if you could leave, right? So I, I think he is in Toronto. I think they do give it this year, and I think there's a chance he resigns in Toronto. But um, the number's going to be interesting. The number's going to be important. And um, I think he has every reason to have a great year, right? Especially with his contract with situation. Uh, we're talking to ESPN's Ramona Shelburne, the Raptors opening their season tonight with the Minnesota Timberwolves in town. I do want to go back to last night, though, a little bit, and more specifically, mm-hmm. LeBron James. Season 21, he's 39 <laughs> in December. Uh, it, it, it's fascinating, right? Because this the last stage mm-hmm. of his career has been, okay, I'm going to transition out of the league in, in some ways, but I'm tro- still won a championship, still trying to play competitive basketball. A lot of people high on the Lakers this year. I don't, I don't want to say there's been like a eureka moment, and I don't even know if it's LeBron's idea, but the plan, I guess, to play a little bit less, to conserve, and to try yeah. to make something of these last few seasons, if you want to even uh, put that as plural. When you see LeBron and you see the Lakers this year, like what is the thing that stands out for you? Is there a difference? Are they legitimate? Can LeBron make something of one of these last few years? I mean, honestly, I've never seen him play 29 minutes a game unless he was hurt. And, like, I was weird last night just to see him have those minutes limited because I've, I've covered LeBron for most of those 20 years. And uh, not that I, I haven't been in – this is my 20th year, I guess, right? Um, so I guess he's been around longer than I have in the NBA. Um, he, um, he likes to play. Like, he, he, I don't think he likes to have his minutes limited. He likes to play as many minutes as he can. I mean, I've certainly seen him in the mid thirties, like, you know, 33, 34, 35, but, but 29 was a little light. <laughs> and, um, you know, that game, uh, I, I, you know, it remains to be seen to me whether like limiting his minutes does anything to help his overall health. We'll see. Um, I think they'll evaluate it for a couple of weeks here. That's probably what their performance team is telling them to do. And they'll listen to them for a little while and see what happens. But um, I think last night, Look, Denver's really good. Denver's the they're the defending champs for a reason, and that's why they won the game. But if you're the Lakers, my concern is what what the hell happened to Anthony Davis in the second half? <laughs> like it just, you know, it just you can't have like they've been very very forceful in saying he's got to be the guy now. And 
he got, I think he, I don't think he scored one point or something and barely took a shot. Um, so it's just like how much of that's on him, how much of that is on their guards for not getting him the ball, how much does he need to demand the ball. But there's a, there's a passing of the torch that's supposed to be happening right now. And um, yeah, first half was fine. Second half, not so much. On the other side of the court were the Nuggets defending champs, uh, putting the rings mm-hmm. up and hanging the banners. I wonder if you think they could be like the Aces and uh, and repeat and go back to back because that's one good story and they seem like yeah. they could be po- poised to do the same thing and repeat this season. I, I do. Um, uh, you know, it's going to – I think their depth is going to be an issue. Um, you know, you have a lot of young guys they have to count on now. And it's not just that they lost Bruce Brown, but – Bruce Brown and Jeff Green and, and you know it's it's now you got to count on you know Julian Strother and and uh, Zeke Naji and I mean these are you know and uh, Christian Braun right like these are it's just a whole nother set of guys that you have to count on that that didn't play as many meaningful full minutes last year um, that's not going to be the make or break for them the make or break is really just does everyone stay healthy but they once people have won a championship and they know what it takes. Uh, it's hard to dethrone them. They have that look of a team that could win, you know, three, four more years um, because of the age of their star players and because of how good they are. The San Antonio Spurs open their season tonight hosting the Dallas Mavericks, which means we'll see the debut of Victor Wembayama. Um, when it comes to Wemby, oh. what is the thing that's going to be most impactful first? I mean, I think everyone's bracing for the next legitimate generational talent in the NBA, but sometimes it takes a little while for the whole package to be working or firing on all cylinders. So what is the thing that's going to work from jump? How is Wemby going to dominate the floor tonight? I mean, literally the guy can block five shots a game without <laughs> even jumping. Like he's, he's unbelievable. Like he, you know, I mean, you see the stuff in the preseason, like, Anybody even gets near him, they don't want to shoot. I mean, I, I think defensively, I'm I'm on board with this idea of him as defensive player there because I think he is that impactful as a defender already. Um, he gets beat sometimes, and he'll just block somebody from behind. He's so long; it's it's, it's unbelievable. Um, I I'm watching to see how other teams go at him. Um, I think people will try to rough him up. Uh, I think you'll see, you know, like. I, you know, I, 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 I was, I was hoping Draymond Green would play the other day in the preseason because I, I want to see what happens when like he gets in there with Draymond, when he gets in there with, with some other kind of like PJ Tucker, like those, those kind of defenders, um, in the post. Are they gonna build that? That's really the only way I can see that you can stop him is if you just rough him up. I, I, I he's, he, he looks like he's playing a different sport to me. Like he's unbel- he, I, I, the, the, just to watch him in the, to do that at the G League level, that's when I think we all caught our eyes. And then now it's translated already in the preseason. The only question for me is how many games does, they play, do they, does he play? You know, how do people defend him? But just from a, a pure talent standpoint and competitive standpoint, he, he is as advertised. We got to see our Canadian boy Dylan Brooks go up against him before we know what he yes, can really take. That's right? a great point. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's right. Dylan is a guy that I—I I mean, Dylan perimeter-wise, I think you know he'll be on him. I don't know in the post, but but <laughs> yeah, Dylan, like way. like somebody of that ilk, right? Yeah. So I want to see what Dylan does, right? Yeah. Like what. This is like a challenge to every power forward in the league. Uh, last one for you, Ramona. We appreciate your time. Yeah. Uh, James Harden updates was that he returned back to the facility. Sixers said, actually, yeah. don't travel with us. <laughs> what's what's your pulse yeah. on what do you think is going to happen? I mean, anything could happen with this one as well. But how do you think this is going to play I out know. over the next couple of days? I mean, it was, it was today was funny. Like, he actually went to the airplane, you know? Like, I mean, <laughs> and it was funny because he had talked to Nick Nurse and he had talked to the 
to the team about, you know, this is the plan. You're going to train and ramp up in Camden and, you know, and then later on still showed up at the airport. I mean, there's, there's a stunt quality to this of like, I'm going to make you uncomfortable and deal with me and you're not going to shove me to, to the side. But then he just went and didn't show up for 10 days. And so there's a sort of, you know, the, the endless news cycle of it, the distraction of it, like whatever, you know, he's, he's pretty good at this um, so far. He's also a hell of a basketball player. I heard like even the parts of practice that he practiced and he was good. Like he was engaged and he was good. And so I don't know. I, I'm wondering if he ends up, if he does ramp up, if he does eventually play, uh, you know, I could see that um, in a couple of weeks, but I don't, I don't, I don't think he's anywhere close to being able to play. He hasn't done all that much outside of just stay, stay in shape. Well, Nick Nurse certainly has his hands full moving from us to James Harden. So we'll, we'll let that one play out for everybody there. <laughs> yeah. uh, we appreciate your time. Enjoy <laughs> yep. the start of the season and we'll definitely get you on to chat Thanks. a little bit while down the road. Thank you. Yep. Sounds good. Have a good one. That's Roma- Ramona Shelburne, uh, NBA senior writer and insider for ESPN. And Nick Nurse just wants to play the guitar on the plane yeah, and he's got he's James like... Harden banging on the door <laughs> trying to get in. Let me like, in. What is happening over there? We're in the middle just... of my solo. Yeah. <laughs> get out of here, man. Yeah, that's a that's a funny one. We saw today that he did show up and was told, actually, don't travel with us. So every day you'll get a new tidbit from that story mm. and we'll keep keep it coming for you. Uh, but no Nick Nurse tonight. It'll be the first time in 10 seasons that there's no Nick Nurse in the arena on opening night, whether on the sidelines or... And the head coaching role, he is not there tonight. It's a new era. Yeah, it definitely is a new era. And I don't know exactly what that means, as we talked about earlier. I don't know what it means to be turning the page to not have Nick Nurse in the building. Uh, But I guess it's worth reflecting on. I mean, 10 years, a championship. It was an amazing run for Nick Nurse here. And I wonder, he's going to be back in the arena soon, how that's all going to be like. Mm -hmm. But for now, I think 10 years, that's a really successful 10 years. But it's time to move on to the next 10 years because at the end there, it just was not working. Okay, so let's look ahead to tonight because it is the big kickoff for your uh, Toronto Raptors against the Minnesota Timberwolves, 7.30 p.m. on Sportsnet 590, the fan and across Sportsnet and Sportsnet 1. And we got some picks from it. So time now for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Take a chance. Oh, I'm going full homer pick tonight. So the Raptors to win minus 108 on Bet Rivers. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you why I think that is the lock of the night. Lock. Okay. I used it. I used the L word. Raptors have won eight out of ten of their last home openers. The new era, and they nurses in the building. Doesn't matter. Minnesota has lost eighteen consecutive road games in Toronto since two thousand and four. They have not won a game in the city of Toronto. They don't win here. It's all Darko, and there's still some sort of weird vibe where Minnesota can't capitalize here. So I'm going Raps to win, just straight up money line minus one away. Yeah, I mean, I feel like history might not be the most applicable to, <laughs> for tonight's game, but nonetheless, 18 losses in a row is pretty brutal for Minnesota. We'll see if that can be extended to 19. Just quickly on a couple of Raptors futures, because mm. if you're going to want to bet anyone to win an award in the Toronto Raptors circle, which Pascal Siakam may or may not be a part of. Uh, I think it's got to be Scotty Barnes. And the the market I would target would be most improved player. Uh, we mentioned sort of the regression in year two. So let's like put a number on it. Let's say he was a seven out of 10 mm-hmm. in year one. Just in ter- like obviously rookie of the year. He was probably a 10 out of 10 amongst rookies, but seven out of 10. Yes. Let's say he didn't go to an eight out of 10. He went to like a 7.2. But if the if you're, the goal is 10 points every year and he's a nine this year, that's a well, big that's imp- a big jump. Okay. That would be an improvement. So I think Scotty Barnes should be in that discussion for sure. And that's why just at a, 
a single game level, I'm targeting him. Over 29 and a half points, okay. assists and rebounds. He's going to be all-encompassing. It's going to be comprehensive. He's going to be helping this Raptors team in every sense of the word. That is plus 155 tonight on Bet River. parlay that up. Raps to win and Scotty to go off. That's a great way to start the new era. The perfect way is it to start not? a new era. All right. That was Between the Lines brought to you by Bet Rivers. Take a chance. We've got a full show ahead. William Liu will join us from the arena. And then Eric Smith and Paul Jones from the court side. So we got a direct line to Scotiabank. We have the call up for you guys next. Uh, that's on Sportsnet, Sportsnet 360, and Sportsnet 590. The fan, Will Liu, will join us after the break on the fan pregame with Justin and Ailish. Covering the Raptors in depth like no one else. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on the fan pregame, Ailish and Justin, Sportsnet, Sportsnet 590, the fan, and Sportsnet 360, about one hour from the beginning of the Raptors' regular season. The preseason was as good as it gets. Really, just flawless. Hard to do better than 4-0. It is impossible to do better than 4-0, unless you played 5. Went 5-0. Somebody that was grinding through all the tape, watching every single second, and more of Raptors preseason is our next guest, William Liu, host of the Raptors show, which is on from 2 to 4 p.m. on our lovely station. Will, we saw you about an hour and 15 minutes ago. You made it to Scotiabank Arena okay? I made it okay. Wow, I can hear the atmosphere in there. Sounds good, buddy. Where, where are you? Give us like a picture. Are you right in center court? What's going on there? I am uh, courtside. Oh. So this is typically the spot where... Uh, you know, Paul and uh, Eric would call the game, I believe. Um, I wouldn't know. I'm in the 600s uh, where I'm most comfortable. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is great. I've seen Pascal get warm-up shots, Gary get warm-up shots. It obviously, it's a very, little bit noisy down here, but, you know, we're doing the best we can. We can hear you loud and clear. Don't you worry. Uh, we will have Eric and uh, Paul on after, so make sure you don't mess up their equipment because we want to be able to talk to them after you. So, new-look Raptor, Raptors with Darko at the helm. Now, kind of a two-fold question in terms of what you've been most impressed with in terms of how he's changed the look of this Raptors team, whether that's their structure, their work ethic, their attention to detail. When you look at the way that this Raptors team looks optically, the new gaffer, what has he done best for you? Yeah, well, I'll give you one on-court and one off-court, okay. I would say. On-court, I think you're definitely seeing a totally different approach in terms of how the Raptors want to approach ball movement. Last year, the Raptors were really conservative. They really wanted to make sure they limit turnovers. The whole thing last year was let's win the possession battle, let's limit our own turnovers as much as possible, and let's force as many turnovers from their opponent. Now, of course, that happens... Uh, and it's a good thing, but at the same time, what it led to was a lot of like short possessions that were, you know, not enough passes or sort of meaningless passes at the top of the floor before they flow into one-on-one. Very little one-on-one for the Raptors this season. And we'll see if that leads to better offensive production. But at the same time, I think last year the Raptors half-court offense definitely need a lot of help. So totally different approach to how they want to run their offense. You'll see a lot more post action. You'll see uh, obviously Pascal and Scotty handle it as well. But they're going to try to attack off the move rather than, uh, you know, what they typically have done in the past, which is more one-on-one or even in pick-and-roll settings. And then I think off the court, what's really interesting is just the mood around the team is really good. I mean, I think obviously everyone's going to be happy in preseason. But I think, I don't know, you, every time you step into practice, which I've been at every practice basically since the start of the season, um, 
they've just been in there and they've been in a good mood. Everyone's sort of talking and collaborating to each other. Everyone keeps saying how much Darko has communicated to them, not just the star players, but, you know, guys like Chris Boucher, guys like Gary Trent Jr., guys like Malachi Flynn. They all talked about, you know, this is the most communication we've had with a coach, and it's really helped um, at least make them settle in a little bit better. Um, we'll see again all, you know, this is good vibes, good feelings. We'll see if it actually translates to a win tonight and a win overall in the season, but it just seems like an overall uh, happier group. So um, hopefully that does translate to more wins. And, and I guess we were led to believe it was an unhappy group before Darko Rajakovic was hired. So clearly, I mean, from what people are saying about Darko, that that's part his doing, but it's also part maybe changes, right? So in terms of, you know, they didn't want to lose Fred, right? I don't think they did. Uh, maybe Nick Nurse was a little bit more planned or preordained. Uh, but do you think this is working two ways where it's the fresh start with Darko, but it's also, hey, maybe a couple guys that shouldn't have been here much longer aren't here any longer? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, just in my opinion, I think it's more to do with the coaching. But, I mean, at the same time, you know, you did get this impression last year where so many guys in the Raptors took turns running the offense and, you know, did that stifle some of the growth and the potential that could go around to other players. Um, not only were they running a system where they weren't really passing all that much, but also at the same time, they weren't really um, opening those opportunities for the, some of the younger guys. And so you take Fred out of the equation. Look, the Raptors did try to re-sign Fred, but at a reasonable number, like not what Houston obviously offered. I don't think they're even within like $10 million per year. Uh, of sort of Houston's 43, 42 million dollar a year offer. So you move on from that, but you bring in Dennis, who's a lower usage guard. And I think naturally what that does is that it does force more of the action towards Jacoperto, who I think can be a really nice playmaking hub for the Raptors in the middle of the floor. It gives more touches to Scotty Barnes, most importantly, who, you know, has pretty much everybody expecting and wanting him to sort of take more chances. That chance is now open. Whether he wants to run point, whether he wants to play whatever position he wants to, because he's so talented, he can pretty much play whatever. You know, the opportunities are there. I think the key thing is just, look, everyone's got to take that chance, right? Gary's got to take that chance uh, as well. OG's got to take that chance. And if they step up, then I think collectively the franchise is in a healthier spot because their players are more productive. But also because, you know, you need those guys to actually come in and fill that gap. I mean, Fred last year had a down year, but overall he's still an effective player based on the metrics. Um, you know, so there is a replacement factor. But then again, we're talking about replacing a team that last year won 500. So the bar's not that high either, you know? So Raptors were undefeated in the preseason, of course. I think sometimes it's hard to get real, tangible things from preseason action. There's players playing in different spots. You're playing teams from Australia, nonetheless. Is Scotty the biggest point of confidence that you got from what you saw from the Raptors over their first preseason games? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think to me, again, one thing on the court, one thing off the court. On the court, it was great to see him shoot the three ball like that. It was great to see him, um, you know, effortlessly step into some threes. And, you know, he's willingly relocating to get himself open for threes. Those are all great moments. Like, I thought the Raptors in preseason, their best moments came when Scotty was at the, the five, playing with the secondary units. And it, they just blew teams away. He was able to play really fast. He's played really energetic. But I think the off-the-court demeanor is just like, it's just a focus. There's like a ferocity to the way he's playing. I mean, he's such a physical player that, you know, when he's able to play all out, um, that's going to catch a lot of teams, you know, off balance, by surprise. And, and most teams won't even have sort of the ability to sort of match him in that way. And so it's just the want to, right? I think the start of the season last year, he started really slowly. And my biggest issue with that was just it's a lot of games where you just didn't feel him. You know, first three quarters, like five points, three points. We had a game where three quarters he had zero points. He would turn it on in the fourth quarter almost always, which is a great sign. 
But at the same time, what we're going to need is that continuous effort and that continuous drive the whole way through. And if you can see that, him and Pascal could be a really nice one-two combo, and that's what they're going to need to be successful this year. But that's actually going to require him to join that one-two combo on a full-time basis rather than sort of more occasionally. And, uh, I mean, all the invitations are there. Darko wants him to do it. The front office wants him to do it. The fans want him to do it. His teammates want him to do it. So, you know, I think we're just sort of waiting to see what it looks like. Uh, William Liu on the line with us, host of the Raptors show and courtside right now at Scotiabank Arena. So if Scotty Barnes benefits the most from Darko Rayakovich, I mean, that is a tremendous thing. That is probably of utmost paramount importance for this team. It would be fantastic. But we've been promised that, hey, maybe they run a 10-man rotation. Maybe we see 11-12. Uh, we're expecting more, uh, uh, less consistent usage with the top guys and more of a balanced usage from Darko Ryakovic. So you look at the end of the bench or closer to the end of the bench, which player, which role guy do you think is going to benefit a lot from Darko's either scheme or the trust he might have? When you're looking at someone to improve from the depths of this roster, who are you pinpointing? Well, I mean, Malachi Flynn just walked over to the desk right here, so I actually was going to say Give him the mic. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> no, honestly, I think, um, you know, Malachi's going to get that chance. And I know that's not the most exciting prospect because I don't think he's really done too many things with his opportunities previously. But, you know, you do have to see, like, what do you have in him before you decide, you know, ultimately you're going to move on from him. This is his fourth year on his rookie scale contract. You know, you have to decide on his future, right? So he's going to get a chance. I think Jalen McDaniels, to me, based on how they use preseason numbers, like, he was really really good. I mean, I think for me, watching him, he's mostly a fifth option on the floor, but he seamlessly fits into a lot of lineups. He plays really good defense, and especially when his three is dropping, and really we're only asking him to do catch and shoot threes, which he's capable of. When he's doing that, then he's going to be a really, really nice piece to slot into a different couple places. I think Precious Achua, obviously there's a big potential with him, and you know, uh, Dark was talked about sort of how much he wants to use Precious in different ways, but Precious himself kind of setting the bar even higher, saying he wants to be a top five defender in this league. So, you know, I think those opportunities are all going to be there for them. And, yeah, I think the bigger thing with the 10-man rotation is just it's not going to burn out the main guys. I mean, sustainably, is it, is it smart to burn out Pascal like that where he has no legs left in the fourth quarter to make a big shot? You know, is it smart to burn out OG like that? You have him guarding Anthony Edwards tonight. That's going to be a heavy task. You really want to burn out all his time playing 40 minutes or do you want to rely on some of your reserves? And I think when you rely on the reserves, you also give a chance, at least a chance, to possibly develop some of those players who typically don't get chances. Like last year, we saw some eight-man rotations, seven-man rotations. I remember a couple years ago, they actually was running like six and a half. So, you know, this is obviously a very sharp change, but also it's a very intentional change, right? you got to give these guys opportunity to see what they can at least do. Talking to Will Liu at Scotiabank Arena ahead of the Toronto Raptors tipping off on the regular season here. That'll be on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590 The Fan and, of course, on Sportsnet Plus. Uh, what can we expect from Dennis Schroeder, FIBA World Cup MVP? Um, is he going to be as electrifying as he was for his home nation? I think that's the hope, right? And I think that's the potential. Now, I, I think we... I wouldn't say Dennis is holding out on us, but we haven't seen, you know, top-tier Dennis at all in preseason. I don't think it's a, a lack of, like, ability. I think it's just, you know, he's got to catch up to rhythm. And, um, you know, Coach Darko talked about it at practice recently where he was like, you know, if you ask, you know, Dennis, Dennis will tell you that, you know, he's ready to go and it's, he's, you know, he's going to have a big season He's 100%. But I think Darko knows that there's another level that uh, Dennis can get to. I mean, arguably his best season was in OKC, uh, which was his time with Darko, and that's their connection together. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's got to, 
you know, come in and obviously set up the floor and set up the action. And I think him and Jakob are going to do a really great job of sort of opening up space and putting guys like Pascal, Scotty, and OG into positions to score. But at the same time, I also know that Dennis has the ability to score, right? One of the quickest players in the league, tricky pick-and-roll player, has a really clever way about how he passes in a pick-and-roll as well. Uh, our bigs are going to have to need to keep their hands ready and, and sort of expect passes at any time because that's what Dennis is capable of. And, um, yeah, I mean, look, I'm not expecting him to replace all of Fred's scoring, but the idea is to sort of maybe take half as many shots as Fred, but also at the same time be able to give you great defense, get, give you great pace of play, set up the play, and also obviously at times, you know, score the ball. Like, if we're, if we're getting, like, 15 points from Dennis, I think that's a really, really good thing. So this wasn't a good offensive team last year whatsoever. And despite the fact that there will be changes and perhaps improvements, I mean, you can only really go up. I guess you could go down, but that seems a little bit unlikely. I, I don't expect this team, though, to be just lights out shooting all of a sudden or to be dominant in half-court sets all of a sudden. But there probably are areas where the Raptors can be elite. So if you had to identify one area, whether it's transition or if you believe in the offense or defensively, is there something that they can really, really excel in and be part of their advantage every single time they hit the floor? Where can this team be elite this season? Well, Defensively, I think that's an easy question, honestly. Like, this team has so many great defenders. You know, OG obviously got the recognition last year for being, you know, second team all defense, but he's an amazing defender. Scotty's an amazing defender. Precious is a really good defender. Jakob is a great defender. Dennis is really good at the point of attack. Pascal's obviously really good as well. So, like, there you go. That's like six guys right away that you can really, really bank on defensively. And, of course, that's going to require them to really be disciplined and play together and um, trust each other. And hopefully that's what training camp has, you know, been able to do for this group. But, I mean, at the same time, like, you know, this is, that's where their strength has to be. If the Raptors are going to be a winning franchise this year, they need to be a top 10 defense. They should honestly set their sights even higher. Like, top five, I don't really see a reason why they couldn't be, right? So that's that's where they're going to have to really be great. But I think part of being great on defense is that you're going to be great in transition as well because they have the athletes to do it, but also they're going to get the type of stops and the deflections and transition opportunities where they can get out and run. Because obviously the half-court offense is just going to be whatever. Like, even if they run the new system with Darko, you know, there's improvements to be made, but it's not going to jump overnight with no changes in talent, really. But um, they should be great defensively, for sure. So is that their team identity? Like, sometimes you try to pinpoint what the Raptors will be. Are they just a great defensive team that's hard to play against? Or is there something else that we're missing in terms of how to, I guess, give them a title underneath Toronto Raptors blank? A, a strong defensive team? Is there something else? A fun team? A young team? A gritty team? You know what? Honestly, based on how they played last season, how about just a together team? Because that's the big like that. catchphrase they keep saying at practice. Everything they're going to do is going to be done together. You know, I mean, I was coming in from one of those preseason games, and, and Jakob was sick at home, so he wasn't able to play. And they just all gathered around. The, they, they, they literally wheeled out a TV with the Zoom set on it, and they sang happy birthday to him. Aww. So maybe <laughs> maybe more of that togetherness. On the theme of togetherness, uh, do you expect Pascal Siakam to be uh, <laughs> in the circle of togetherness uh, through until the end of the season and, I guess, beyond? I, 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 yeah, I do. Um, I, I think that, again, this is kind of a prove-it year for everybody, right? So I think Pascal's sort of at the top of that list, but he's not alone. I mean, OG's on that list for me. Gary's on the list for me. Um, yeah, I mean, I think for Pascal, like, you know, he's a very versatile player, and, uh, you know, obviously it's a change in the role. There's definitely going to be a lot less sort of one-on-one -on -one play with the team overall. seems like they're not really incentivizing a lot of mid-range uh, playmaking as well, which obviously is something that he does really well. Like, you look at, for example, in preseason, you know, he probably got, like, five or six mid-range attempts 
up in across four games versus last year where he would have single games where he would make like five or six mid-range jumpers in one game alone, right? So it's going to be a big change for him. But at the same time, he's a versatile enough player where there are other aspects for him to get better at, you know? Like, uh, can he get more catch-and-shoot threes, which will make him more efficient? Can he get to the foul line? Did the same rate uh, as he did before. Can he keep getting to the basket? Can he keep playing out in transition? And I think, honestly, the one thing that's been a little disappointing from him is just defensively, I think he has such a high gear to reach. And I think maybe the championship year uh, and the year after that, 1920, he showed a really high ability defensively. But I think the more that his offensive role has increased and the more that he's played, like, literally league-leading minutes, uh, there's been a drop-off defensively where he's just a kind of okay. But we know the ability is there. So if you take a little bit off his plate offensively, can he give you more defensively and how that you know adds to the group as well. But I actually do believe that he's going to be around. I mean, if the time to trade him was in the offseason, um, obviously there were discussions at the draft, there were discussions in free agency around, like, you know, uh, summer league time. But ultimately, kind of the, the party's kind of moved on. And, you know, obviously things will revisit probably around December to January to February. It's a big evaluation period for the league and, you know, leading up to the trade deadline. Um, but honestly, I'm kind of expecting the things to be okay for the Raptors this season. And if that's the case, they're not going to move Pascal midseason. I guess in a similar vein, there's a lot of off-season or pending decisions to be made about contracts and a lot of futures with the Toronto Raptors. Do you think that's distracting at all? I know last year sometimes we, we thought there was a narrative a lot of these players were playing for themselves. I mean, the word selfish just selfish selfishness was used by Masai Ujiri many times. Maybe they were trying to play for their own contract. Do you think that there's any similarity this time around with a lot of big off-season de- decisions to be made still with the Toronto Raptors when you look at how important maybe the first couple months of the season could be? I mean, that's, I think, the hardest part about Darko's job, mm-hmm. keeping everyone focused on the task, keep everyone together, right? Because it, I think it's easy for everyone to play whatever role you put them in for the most part as long as they're winning. But if you're not winning, right, can the, is the group going to stay together and are they going to stay the cause? And, of course, that's when you do bring in the contracts. And this is something where the front office has really put themselves in the position where it, it's basically telling everybody, like, look, you got to show it to us. Well, we'll see, right? Like, people who really buy in, the people who really thrive, those people will be re-signed. Other people might be, you know, reassessed, I think, maybe mid-season or definitely by the end of the season. Um, the, there's still a lot of liability, a lot of risk in the sense that, like, all these guys are free agents at the same time. Like, the Raptors don't, don't have, like, exclusive rights on all of these guys. Um, but, I mean, at the same time, like, if, if they work out and the, the Raptors do have the ability to pay them more than anybody else, just based on sort of how NBA contract rules are. So, uh, it's a big gamble. It's a big gamble, uh, but uh, at least the Raptors kind of want to see, like, where everyone slots in, you know? Will, what's your game plan for post-games this time around this year? you got 10 things. you got Raptors reaction. Well, how do we get all your content hooked to our veins? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the best place to catch it is the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I think this will be season seven of me doing it now. This is wild. I feel like it's, it's a good amount. Know, I'm going re- <laughs> to reach friends level of, uh, <laughs> of just reruns at this point. But no, I mean, it's, it's, it's very fun for me to do that podcast. If you like a, you know, thorough stream of consciousness about uh, the Raptors game that took place that night, um, you know, you'll, you'll get to hear that, including tonight uh, on, on the Raptors show podcast feed. But yeah, 10 things will be writing them. I mean, last year, honestly, the Raptors were so bad and so frustrating in some games. <laughs> I uh, kind of skipped them, or I cut them down to five because I'm like, is there more to be said no, about this? Five kind of thing, is good. Know? We're good with five, man. Don't yeah. don't grind Ten too hard. Ten was always ambitious. Yeah. It was always ambitious. <laughs>
10 was ambitious. 10 was when I was in my 20s. Now I'm in my 30s, it's down to 5. And when I'm 40, it's going to be 1. So. I love that. Well, uh, we appreciate your time today, Will. Looking forward to catching up uh, as we go through. You're on from 2 to 4 every day. We get to see you in real life, not at 6 a.m. So life is good. Enjoy yes. Raptors regular season. And we'll chat soon. Okay. And you too enjoy sunlight. <laughs> we, we love sunlight. <laughs> Thanks so much. That's William Liu, host of the Raptors show from 2 to 4 p.m. Of course, Raptors Reaction Pod. After each game, you can catch that in the same podcast feed and then 10 things, maybe five things, maybe 15 things, depending on how great the game goes. I actually don't think he's ever done more than 10. He might have done like an 11 things once. You don't think after the championship there was, was more than say, 10? I was going to say, after the championship, it was 10 probably... A, 10B, 10C, 10D. It was probably a lot of spelling mistakes after that, too. Yeah. They enjoyed themselves. Uh, nonetheless, that's Will Lou. Down at Scotiabank Arena, we're about 40 minutes from tip-off on the Raptors opening night Shall we revisit our storylines? We shall. Okay, so we talked a little bit about Pascal. We talked about Scotty Barnes. I think those are the two players that both of us uh, have circled and targeted in terms of points of intrigue. Mm-hmm. I want to see Scotty Barnes make this his, this his team where it's truly about him and it's like, hey, we're going to build around Scotty. Whatever happens with Pascal, whatever happens with OG, it's okay because we have Scotty and we're going to build this team through Scotty Barnes. Pascal's an obvious storyline. It's going to be a storyline. Maybe that ship has sailed just a little bit, but Pascal's future is going to be a thing that hangs over this team uh, through the entire year and into the offseason. But if we're looking at, you know, the coaching standpoint, I think mm. we both looked at this in two different ways. You looked at it as Darko and Darko's impact and what Darko's going to do. The vibes are apparently there. This team feels together. But when it comes to Darko, what's on your mind? Well, I actually wanted to also direct our listeners and viewers to this incredible article by Michael Grange. It's on sportsnet.ca. It's one of his big reads. It's a 25-minute long read. It's like a book. And it is all about Darko Ryakovic. And it is it's the most insight I've ever got about an NBA coach, an NHL coach, any coach. He did an incredible job. You got to get a chance to read this because... It's it's rare that we get a European head coach in the NBA, and mm-hmm. he doesn't come with the biggest NBA track record, right? But it feels to me like a perfect spot for the Raptors to do something different. Nick Nurse was a good coach. He got them to a championship. But I felt like near the end of that tenure, it became more about the energy and the the dislike at times and the selfishness at times that players were finding Sometimes you hit a rut, you hit a wall. Like I've played for coaches before where it just feels like the ship has sailed. Mm-hmm. And the worst thing you can do is let that go on too long. I think they probably might have said that they let it go on too long. Nonetheless, they got a new coach there. Everything I read about Darko from Michael Granger's piece is that he is very thoughtful. He is very intelligent. He's going to request and expect the best from his players. I mean, those are kind of like the three pillars of starting fresh, right? Like having a high work ethic, a standard of attention to detail, and being really well-liked. Everything that you read and you hear now when we talk to reporters and talk to people that have met Darko is that people love him. Like, mm. I don't know if everybody always loved, and not to make this about Nick Nurse, but, you know, there was sometimes it got, eh, you know, do we really love the guy or whatever? But Darko seems like this different energy, this different vibe. I'm buying it because I'm reading it and I'm hearing it and I want to see it now. So I think that you give it a definitely give it a, a read because I learned a lot and I feel like I gained a lot of like 
respect for this man that I have yet to meet just because of everything he's done to get to this point. It feels to me like a really great start. And, and to be fair to Nick Nurse, there was a young and fresh energy about him when he 100%. first got his opportunity. But as you mentioned, things do get stale. And with the Raptors last year, it got stale to the point where it felt like both Nick Nurse and mm-hmm. Fred Van Vliet were trying to find ways to at least set up their next opportunity. And when that's happening with two real key figures... Well, it's not going to work, and you're going to get the result that you got. The fresh start is obviously unbelievably important. But when I look at the coaching thing, I guess my storyline is like, were there Nick Nurse blind spots that we don't know about that Darko can uncover and try to use to the Raptors' advantage? Like, we know he's going to use more of the bench. Is he's there already more said from- that he's not playing his players like more than 35, exactly. 40 minutes. So is there more from Malachi Flynn <laughs> that Nick Nurse didn't see? Is there more from Precious <laughs> that Nick Nurse didn't see? What is it about the Raptors that was here all along that we never knew because Nick Nurse didn't know himself or refused to actually believe himself. I want to see if Darko can get more out of the team, of course, at least compared to last year, but more out of certain individuals would be interesting too. So what were the blind spots? Do we learn more about Nick Nurse's tenure through Darko Ryakovic? I think if the answer to that is yes, then that's a really good thing because it's more than what we believe is there already. It's more than just a team relying on Scotty Barnes to be better or Pascal Mm -hmm. to be all NBA or Dennis Schroeder to carry FIBA magic into an NBA (laughs) regular season. If there's something more from the depths of the roster that was being overlooked, well, that would be huge for Darko Ryakovic. There are a lot of good pieces, even great pieces on this Raptors team. Now he gets the jigsaw puzzled, gets put it together himself. So I'm excited to see the start of the Darko reign. Also, the name Darko just... Like, you like it? It's pretty badass. Like, it you know, they're not messing around. You know, <laughs> you got a guy named Darko at the helm. Like, he means business. Mm-hmm. So the Raptors about 30 minutes from tip-off. We're moving to Sportsnet 590, the fan, for the next half hour to get you teed up with the next two voices that you're going to hear anyway. It's perfect timing. Eric Smith and Paul Jones will join us next on the Fan Pregame with Ailish and Justin. Big opinions and in-depth conversations covering the Leafs, Jays, Raptors, and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back on Fan Pregame. Justin Cuthbert, Alish Forfar, Sportsnet 590 fan for the next half hour before we throw it to courtside. For the Raptors home opener against the Timberwolves. If you missed it earlier, uh, Raptors are 8 out of 10 at home for home openers the last 10. That was the improper way to tell you that they have won 8 of their last 10 home openers. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, but your most alarming stat was 18 straight losses for Minnesota in Toronto. What's going on, Minnesota? 18 consecutive road losses here in Toronto. Last time they won was 2004. There's some bullishness on this team. What's going on there? People people like the T-Wolves this year. Different squad, but still, sometimes you just can't shake a bad vibe. Yeah, sometimes there's a team you can't beat. And that could be the Raptors. Uh, Before we get into our final segment and call our buddies, Eric Smith and Paul Jones, we're in a giving mood. Blink-182 is back in Toronto next summer, August 15th, at the Rogers Centre. And we're giving away tickets for the rest of the week. To enter, all you have to do is tune into episodes of the Fan Pregame, listen for the code word, then text the code word to 590-590. Today's code word is TOUR. Text TOUR 
to $595.90 right now for your chance to win. We'll be giving away another pair of tickets tomorrow, but tickets officially go on sale Friday, October 27th at 10 a.m. on Ticketmaster.ca. Who doesn't want to see Blink-182 in Toronto next year? I would love to be at that concert, so I'm texting in tour. I don't think you're eligible. I'm definitely not, but you should try. All right. There's our feel-good giveaway okay, of so the we, night. We've done some storylines, obviously, for the Raptors uh, each. Let's finish that up before we mm-hmm. get to Jonesy uh, and Eric Smith. Uh, so we've done the coach. We've done, I think, the key players from both. Now I think this is sort of like big picture and how the season either has to end or what the season will tell mm-hmm. us. Basically, this this is 82 games distilled into one idea. And really, I think the biggest storyline is just clarity. Right, Because no one knows what this Raptor team is actually trying to do. We get mixed messages on Fred. We get mixed messages on Pascal. Pascal's still around. We don't know exactly what they are planning and plotting and actually doing. Dame Lillard was traded. Well, they didn't trade for him. And that was kind of always thought to be like the thing. They were waiting for a chance to land a star. I don't know if maybe Damian Lillard fell short of that threshold. But I think what the is at the end of this road is a big storyline for me. Is it just clarity? at the end of the road, where you know what this team is all about, what they're going to do in the summer, what they're going to plan for the following season. If clarity is achieved by the end of the season, I think that might be the thing that defines success. So that's a storyline for me. It's just, hey, can we figure out what exactly is happening here? That's important for this Raptors team. I feel like we could have been recording that last monologue and playing that halfway through last season. My idea is not original. Last season, the end of the season before that, mm-hmm. halfway through the season before that, the end of the season before that, after each press conference that we hear from management, because that's exactly my big, big picture is what is success? And I don't want to get roped into the idea that you either win a championship or you rebuild, because that's not the only two methods of success. Success to me is knowing if you're going in the right direction or if you're not kind of having to swallow like the bitter truth and say, we need to take some steps back before we go forward. I think that they've been in this dance, this little, I don't know, I'm not much of a dancer, but like a little bit of a tango, right? You go a couple ahead, you go back a few, a little two-step. Look at you. One, two-step, a little Sierra. You know, like a couple, you move up, you move back. And that's what they've been doing. And I just think success would be great to know what is the organizational plan? Are we all in the same group? Are we all rowing the same direction in this boat? If not, jump in the water, aboard ship. Yeah, success isn't a number on wins. And I, don't, no. I, don't, I guess it would be a number on wins in the postseason if there's four wins in the postseason. I mean, that would be successful, I guess, because that's progression. And last year when we talked to Bobby Webster, progression is what they said the goal was, to be a little bit better, and they weren't. So if you are a little bit better, that's one thing. But I think that's that would just prove that there's proof of concept, that what you're trying to do in building around two guys who are from different eras just a little bit in Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes is something that could work. And that OG Ananobi was worth holding on to. And that Dennis Schroeder is a guy that can make magic happen with Darko Ryakovich because those two have some sort of kinship that just works at the NBA level. I, I think if there's success in terms of wins... It will obviously say something about the team, but the team can say something about itself without, you know, hey, we won a, a series mm-hmm. or, or we finished seventh in the conference or whatever it may be. Just knowing that what they want to do is, is like logical, but also said, outspoken, in the air, in the atmosphere for everyone to actually understand that, I think, is steps towards success as well. 
this is what you want to be. This is what you're building towards. Take steps towards that. I think that in itself would be successful. Success would be developing one of your young talents into something that shapes where you're going next. Obviously, Scotty Barnes is the biggest indicator of success in in a development, right? He gets rookie of the year in year one. But what's Grady Dick going to be? Maybe not this exact season, but does he grow in a specific role that you know you can use him moving forward? Precious Achua is a big one for me. Like, he was a guy we talked about so much last season. It felt like we were on the cusp of understanding Precious Achua. He can be. I think he should be a part of your future. But let's figure out what Precious Precious Achua is. Obviously, OG is a huge question mark because is he going to be a part of this team or not? That's obviously (laughs) the big question besides Pascal Siakam, right? So a lot of indicators for success to come. Uh, and, and a dominant defense would also be that. Hey, can we mm-hmm. install a dominant defense with this group and then work on our offense in the years to come? Maybe that's also something that can define success. All right. I was just on Eric Smith's Instagram page and he just posted a Creeping. really sweet side-by-side of him and Paul Jones from I know, a couple years ago and then split screen it to them today. So guys, welcome to another home opener. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. We're so so we're so proud to get to talk to you on another big night for you two. How's the vibe down there? The vibe is good, and, and I'll tell you, Ailish, you're being generous saying that was a couple of years ago because <laughs> I, I could pull up my Google photos and get the exact date, but I think that was 2004 or 2005. And, you guys um, haven't aged at all. Ailish, I'll go uh, well, you one better. Well, I was I was going to do it for you, but if go you want to do it, no, go ahead. I, I'll pump your tires rather than you having to pump yours. You've been no. around long enough that you shouldn't have to do the dirty work. So this is season opener officially number 28 for me i started covering the team in some way shape or form in the second year of the franchise and then this is our 19th year on the broadcast together it's our 26th year broadcasting together in terms of pre-app and post and raptor coverage in general but i'm standing beside a guy who is an og original from day one 29 years 29 home openers 29 season openers he and I believe Leo Routens might be the only two, in, at least in the broadcast world, that are day oneers, and that, of course, is my guy Paul Ooh. Jones. So there's, I, I think I counted. There's five of us from day one still left. Myself, Leo, uh, our friend Doug Smith from the Toronto Star, mm-hmm. Herbie Coon, the Raptor mascot. <laughs> and we can't reveal who that person is. No, the Raptor mascot. I mean, that's and, him. And... <laughs> The orthopedic surgeon that has seen <laughs> more knees operated on and more fractures, and he's seen everything from ankle chips to broken legs by Garbo. That's uh, the Fab Dr. Five. I mean, I Dr. Paul Marks. Those last two are really interesting because I, I wonder if the surgeons worked on the Raptors 29 years to. doing flips and being the Raptor. I mean, that is longevity that's so, not seen in sports. It, yeah. Well, and, and we, we can't reveal again, you know, who the person is, assuming it's a person inside that. Uh, I that thought outfit. it was just a dinosaur. <laughs> but it is the same person, and said person blew out his or her ankle or knee or Use Achilles your or something. Derek. There, 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 Achilles. I apologize. There, Achilles. <laughs> uh, what about five, six seasons ago? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's just right around the time that Raptors 905 was introducing Stripes. Oh, yeah, Stripes. So Stripes came in and was actually the kind of like the quasi-Raptor mascot for a part of, the, part of the year, but then the Raptor rejoined but was not able to do any flips or dance moves <laughs> or, or jump over because they were dealing with a major reconstructive injury and surgery and whatnot. But anyways, yes, it is the same thing 
for 29 years. All right. Maybe I can jump on that. This is really the yeah. earth-shattering breaking news on opening <laughs> night, right? The major reconstruction starts tonight for Toronto. Oh, there we yes. go. There's a segue. And for Minnesota. That's and why I, you and guys I'll have say been this. doing this for 29 years. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say this. This Minnesota team is much better than people think. They, 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 they only had 29 games last year with, with Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert together. Um, boy, they've got one of my favorite people, let alone basketball players, in Nikhil Alexander-Walker. I, if you can find me somebody that plays harder night in and night out, um, I'll sit down until you tell me. And I, I just like, like Anthony Edwards. They've had six guys that were involved in the World Cup. They're going to hit the ground running. This is going to be no cakewalk tonight for either team. And, and I was talking, Eric and I were talking to the Minnesota broadcast team, and, you know, we said, we like your team. And they said, well, do you like your team? And I'm like, yeah, I do. I, I do. I really, really do. Because this is a 41-win team from last year with a whole bunch of new energy, a new vibe, a new system. But with a core that is, yes, missing a, a significant piece in Fred Van Bleep, but still a core that is four-fifths of the starting lineup returning and a deeper bench and more tools, I think, than they had last and year. And I'll say this. Without Fred Van Vliet, it doesn't – I wouldn't say it doesn't matter, but they're going to play differently, and the, the impact of losing him, which is huge, will be somewhat diminished and mitigated by the way they're going to play the system. Okay, tell us a little bit more about that system because you mentioned we're getting 29 years. It's the first time in 10 years that Nick Nurse won't be around that sideline. Of course, there's a different energy. There's a different vibe. There's a lot of different things from a just, you know, team atmosphere standpoint. But from a basketball standpoint, like what is the one thing that is going to be most obvious in terms of change from Nurse to Darko? I'll give you I'll give you one and 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 one A one B real quick. I think we're going to see that depth used more. There's going to be more of a, a you know a leaning on the bench in the second unit. Darko even just said it just an, an hour ago, hour and a half ago. He does plan on going at least ten deep every night. He's going to use his bench. But I think the biggest thing, Jonesy, is going to be ball movement and ball distribution and a lot of guys, Alish Justin, touching the ball. And I think that plays into even in the offseason when we were talking about is is Schroeder going to come off the bench? Is Scotty Barnes the point guard? Or is he playing point forward? Or, and then all of a sudden Darko comes in and talks about Jakob Pertl handling the ball and dribble handoffs and playing at the post and running through the big man. And we're going to see Siakam being a distributor and whatnot. I think a lot of guys are going to touch the ball, and he wants that. He wants that ball moving around to make sure, Jonesy, it's the best shot, it's the best look, not just a shot or a look. And as long as the guys buy in to that unselfishness, and play that free-flowing type of game, it could pay big dividends. It will. Uh, it, it really. It, it, if they play that way, I'll change the could to will. Okay. Play big, pay big dividends because Pascal, Gary Trent Jr., OG, these guys are going to get the same shots as last year, but they're going to get them with less resistance uh, because of the ball movement. Uh, Darko's really kind of thrown it back to. You know, back in my day when you had to take the broom to get it out of the bottom of the peach basket, um, <laughs> if I dribbled the ball more than three times, the coach would blow the whistle and say, Jones, it has air in it. What are you doing? <laughs> Pass the ball. And Darko's talked about the .5 offense. you got a half a second to make a decision. Now, Nick talked about this too because he used to say when you catch it, pass it, shoot it, dribble it, don't hold it. But Darko's emphasizing that more and 
while Nick gave a little bit more freedom to break a play and maybe ISO if you had a good matchup, and, and Darko wants that ball to move because if you have it now, you'll get it later, and it will be easier and better later, particularly for your better players. So um, I, I, I watch the assist total uh, with this team. Uh, you know, Ailish and Justin, when I, when I look at uh, assists per game last year, the Raptors were... were 23rd the year before they were 29th it's going up this year it's going up this yeah. year it's going up this year yeah. for sure are there growing pains in such a dramatic change you know like the difference between Darko and Nick Nurse seems pretty big in terms of the way they want to run this team do you expect like that to already be worked out a bit is there a bit of a buffer five games three games where we start to see everybody get to the same page or did their undefeated preseason say that they're ready to rock right as tonight starts it's a good indicator of potential success, but um, you know the the, the Taipans from Australia are not are not <laughs> out there tonight. Um, you know it's it's for real, and I'm going to give them not many games in October. I'm going to give them till Christmas time till water starts to find its level, and they will improve even after that over the course of the year. It's always something that's a concern. New system, new coach. At least they don't have too many new players. Yeah. So I, I my, my only concern with that though, and I, I don't disagree with what what Jones is saying at all. I, I think you do need to give it, say, twenty games, a quarter of a season. The only problem is, it's it's one thing to say that; it's another thing to go. Okay, well we're twelve and eight, or whatever. If you're six and fourteen, yeah, you, you might have dug yourself a real deep hole already. And I'm not saying that you can't climb out of, but it's going to be tougher to climb out of, especially Jonesy then too, when we start factoring in A-list Justin. Of course, the contract decisions that are either mid-slash in-season decisions in terms of extensions for your potential unrestricted free agents in the summertime, i.e. Siakam and OG at the top of that list, or if things are going good, those questions about contracts and, and whatnot maybe become that much easier to make. So I think that there's a feeling out process for the team to have to get to know each other or at least the system but I think there's a front office that's feeling out what they've got as well and what path that might lead to or not in the very near future uh, I'm not sure how long it's going to uh, take to iron everything out defensively but if we're talking about the highest ceiling in terms of category for this Raptors team I think there's a lot of belief that they can be a really, really dominant defense uh, if everything comes together. And it'll be a pretty big challenge, as you mentioned, Anthony Edwards tonight. So how do they uh, attack Anthony Edwards tonight? How do they try to handle it? How do they try to diminish his impact? What's going to be the strategy to make sure that Anthony Edwards doesn't torch the Raptors tonight? At the the risk of simplifying things, I'm going to say you put OG Ananobi on Anthony Edwards and yep. you give him the assignment because the one thing I would say with this Minnesota team, and it's, it speaks to what Jonesy was talking about earlier with their talent and their depth, I don't think you can afford to throw extra bodies at him or anybody else for that matter because if you try and throw two bodies or too many different looks at Anthony Edwards, suddenly you get, there's, oh, there's Carl Anthony Towns. And if you try and put too much of Carl Anthony Towns and worry about him either in the post or on the perimeter because he can shoot from up there, oh, there's a seven-plus footer down low in Rudy Gobert that's just going to torch you down on the post or dunk it down on you. So I think you've got to dig in and really take that assignment and take that challenge as an individual. Yes. And the Raptors have 
arguably one of the best defenders, top five, top ten in the league in OG, and he's got to really be in, in tune tonight the, with Anthony Edwards. The other the other guy, too, is Precious Achua. Not yep. that he always guard or he may guard Edwards, but when you talk about Towns, um, you know, and guys that could go to work from a bigger sense, and, and then you've got to expect Pascal and, and, and Justin Listen, I'm 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 old-fashioned, and I'm I'm old enough to remember when defense was really valued. The NBA's devalued defense right now. You talked about dominant defenses. It just unfortunately it doesn't happen in the NBA anymore because you can't touch. The rules have changed, and I, I, I guess I guess it depends on your definition of dominant. And and I, I'm with you. I'd like to see a dominant defense, but in my eyes, it'll just have to be very good and just getting key stops at key times. Jonesy, I'll give you this one uh, as your final question before we send it off. Your favorite or your most memorable home opener for the Raptors since you've seen them all? Um, the first year you worked with me, no. Not. <laughs> I, I, I would have to say number one over at the uh, Rogers, now Rogers Center. With, yeah, with cool. the dudes coming out with the big egg, right? Yeah, the Raptor breaking out <laughs> of the egg and all the pyrotechnics and... You know, and and then Alvin Robertson making the first bucket as a three. There you go. Well, we're looking forward to see what they have in store tonight. Uh, congrats on another season ahead for you guys both. Uh, we're excited to listen to you in about t- 12 minutes. So we'll let you get set up and we'll send it over to you in just a bit. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks. Thank you. That's uh, our guys, Eric Smith and Paul Jones. who are going to have the call for Sports at 590 The Fan, of course, in about yeah 12 minutes until Minnesota and Toronto kick it off for real. That's a pretty lengthy career, Justin. We've been working together for about a year. I think we could do 29, uh, I hope 20... we get 29 months. Yeah, that would be, be a big success yeah. for us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's an exclusive group, though. It, was it is. Five, five individuals, one being a mascot, one being a surgeon. Paul Jones, like, I think it's Doug the Smith. PA announcer and Doug Smith. Is that Was that the five? And, uh, yeah. Movie Coon. I think that was it. That's, uh, that's unbelievable. I do uh, know very, the... Very cool. The identity of the Raptor. You do? Oh, I know the identity of the Raptor. I, I think those two did as well, so I'm the only one a part of that you conversation. You don't know much, no eh? idea. You don't know nothing. I don't get out much. Well, I know the identity of the Raptor, and that is quite the injury to have overcome and continued to be a professional But, like, mascot. longevity, like, forget, like, modern medicine. I believe in modern medicine. Like, we can, we can fix Achilles. But 29 years doing that job, being, A, that energetic... That it's athletic, a pretty unique. It's unbelievable. World. So this person like is very impressive in, oh, in terms yes. of like incredible you know, athleticism and all that. Uh, it, it, immaculate. Watch the Can Raptor you give me, tonight. Like, age range. Twenty nine years. Got to be. Got to be fifty. No, in the forties, right? Yeah. They're Mike their, knows too. They're in their forties and they've been doing it for twenty nine years. So they like start. They started as a teenager. I don't know. This isn't a math class, okay? The Raptor is... Well, I'm doing some basic math <laughs> the, to figure out how old this person is. The Raptor is in immaculate shape and takes their job extremely seriously considering the fact that they have been around the entire history of the Toronto Raptors. I don't want to give Alex Wong another book idea because he's just, like, killing it with the books. Oh, get, get prehistoric. I think you're onto something there. But he should just write the book for the Raptor. 30 years of doing flips. The biography of the Raptor. It's pretty impressive. From egg to... Ring <laughs> from and a torn Achilles along the way. Okay. Anywho, do you think uh, Drake's going to be there tonight? It's Raptors no, home opener. No. Wait, you're over Drake, things. eh? Well, I don't know if I'm over Drake, but I think, oh, I, was, I think he was over the Raptors last year. You just gave me a look of year. disgust. Who's his disgust? All right. Well, he's a busy guy. He's on a world tour. 
think it's over now, actually. He did just sell out uh, Scotiabank, and they made it the OVO Center. So I think they've made it back to Scotiabank for tonight. Okay. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. Uh, I actually can't wait for Raptors basketball. As I said at the start of the show, I felt a cautious optimism, a renewed feeling of trust in my fandom. I'm placing it in your hands, Darko, and Masai, and Bobby, and Scotty, and Pascal, and the Raptor. And take care of my heart. I mean, another co- content idea is coffee with Darko. Like, everyone's asking him about his coffee mm. order, his how many espresso shots he's had uh, throughout the day. Apparently, he's had zero because he's fired up enough no for today's season opener. If I don't have any, I get a headache, so I, I don't know I, I what Darko's have, up to. I want to have coffee with Darko react. You know what? You, here's happen. a free idea. Darko roast. I, uh... <laughs> like we are so smart after 7 p.m. rolls around and we're just on the radio now and my best ideas come now. Yeah, I know. You got to save some Darko of these for roast. TV. Darko roast is good. Do you want to get to our uh, little season superlatives before we yeah, uh, quickly. throw things to Jones? A quick su- season superlative. Um, <laughs> preseason you, awards. Before you use all your great ideas. Oh, God, I have none left. Preseason awards. Who will be the team MVP? For the me, it's most Scotty Barnes. valuable player. Scotty Barnes. It's the year Scotty Barnes takes over as the guy who, with whom this yep. team belongs to, at least in my estimation. Yeah, Pascal. It doesn't mean Pascal Siakam has to be less than. I'm team, but Scottie. I think it's Scotty Barnes taking a big step uh, and making sure that we know that it's time to build around him and that it's going to look different because this organization now runs. Him. I couldn't agree more. Scotty's my preseason season award for MVP for this year. I think even if Pascal has a great year, this team is going to be steered in the future by Scotty Barnes. And I think this year he says that that was a sophomore slump and I'm back for junior year where I'm going to dunk all over everyone this year. Your most improved? It was going to also be Scotty Barnes. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess it kind of has to be. Well, if we remove him from the voting odds, I would like to see Precious Achua take that award. God, we're both in the same boat. I've got we're just rowing in the Precious same boat Achua right now. Precious Achua stake this year. I put a little money in the Precious Achua bank. Okay. And it's something to a chew on, which was our previous. <laughs> a previous great our idea. previous great yeah. idea. Uh, I'm, I'm big on seeing what Precious Achua can do for this team. Yeah, I'm Achua as well. I mean, I God, think. Get your uh, own ideas. He is. Well, I let you go first. It could have been me. Uh, but Precious is huge. Precious wants to be a top five defender or a guy who can do uh, a, a guy who guards at least five positions. I mean, that's going to take a massive investment and it's going to have to take a lot uh, from his standpoint. He needs the opportunity to do it. I think Achua is key to this defensive team. And if that's how they want to uh, build their identity, then Precious got to be a part of it. Okay, we're just minutes away from the Raptors beginning their season. Uh, We're excited. It's going to be a good one. We've got the best crew who you just heard from. We'll send it to them in a little bit. Uh, It will be Eric Smith and Paul Jones from Courtside on Sports at 590. The fan for the Toronto Raptors and the Minnesota Timberwolves. we got a Raptors win tonight, and the Scotty goes off. That was our picks before. Let's see if they age well. Scotty fills the stat sheet. That leads to a Raptors win. We profit. Everyone's happy, and we're talking about uh, the Darko era kicking off in a big way. All right, everybody. Enjoy Raptors basketball. It's back for real. That was a fan pregame with Ailish and Justin on Sportsnet 590 The Fan.